We are live, boys. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome back to the realest podcast in the dunya, the three Muslims. We're not going to keep it long. We got a big, big, big major reaction tonight. But before we go on, two quick things. If you are a loyal T3M family member or you're new to the channel, number one, please smash the like button in this video. It really helps the algorithm tremendously. May Allah bless you for that. And number two, if you haven't caught the episode we made with Muhammad Hijab, what are you doing? Links in the description. Make sure you check it out. What it is, I feel like, especially in Western discourses, you have like the right wing uh, are very much anti-Muslim in sentiment. Many of them, not all of them, but many of them are anti-Muslim in sentiment. But the the left wing can be very much anti-Islam. But the way in which they will try and influence Muslims is through micro-liberalism, micro-feminism. You know, um, uh, you know. This kind of an approach where it's, yeah, you're, it's a so-called tolerant approach, which is actually a very subversive approach. But unfortunately, the naive amongst us and the weakest amongst us will fall prey to this kind of thing. Alhamdulillah. Now, before we go right in to tonight's live stream, Rami, why don't you tell the viewers what we are going to react to, inshallah. <laughs> Speaking of hijab, we're actually going to react to the debate he had or the discussion he had with Ian Hersey on Michaela Potterson, uh, Peterson's podcast. Potterson. My bad, bro. <laughs> Michaela <laughs> Peterson's podcast. Alhamdulillah. It was, uh, it was a good one. It was a crazy one. And we're going to see what that's all about. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. And for anyone that doesn't know, who is Muhammad Hijab, bro? <laughs> who is, who is the bro, that question, man? Who is Muhammad Hijab? Muhammad Hijab is a Muslim da'i from the UK. A very prominent one at that. He's been giving da'wah for a long time on YouTube, Speaker Corner, and he's debated people like David Wood and you know people that need a good smackdown intellectually, alhamdulillah. And uh, I believe he's pursuing his, his PhD right now as well. Alhamdulillah. Guys, if you made it this far, comment down below hashtag Anho before we jump right in. Look at the nude on his face, mashallah. Keep us all, especially him and your duas. And uh, quick little disclaimer, there will be women shown in this video, right? So men, if you want to lower your gaze, you know, we're doing this for academic critiquing, but lower your gaze or just do audio only um, and women, you know, so on and so forth. But before we go in, just wanted to make that disclaimer one more time before we go in. There will be women shown. Bismillah. Let's jump right in. Do you think that there's a link between Muslim immigration in Europe and an increase in sexual violence towards European women? Um, the answer to that is yes, and there are some caveats. My uneasy answer to this is yes. The caveat is not all Muslim men are misogynists and not all Muslim men harass or attack women or treat them badly. Um, but there is a minority, and that minority is considerable. And that minority of very young Muslim men have come from societies where women are viewed differently from the way they are viewed in Europe. And once they come to Europe, they start to behave in ways that are hostile to women. Sexual harassment, rapes, gang rapes, um, even syndicates or grooming gangs that prey on young girls. Now, what has Islam got to do with any of this? When you talk to religious leaders, Muslim religious leaders, what they say is, well, the behavior of these men is wrong, but the fact that women are around in public, uncovered and by themselves is also wrong. Within 
Islam or within the tribal culture that some of these young men come from, women who are regarded as bad are regarded as unprotected. There definitely is a clash of values when it comes to the values of, of Europe versus the values of Islam. I've seen the data that she puts forward for the claims that she makes, Michaela. And she, and just go for the idea. The idea is that Muslim men immigration coming into European countries causes an increase in rape. That's what she is mm-hmm. saying. Now, look, she mentions, what is the data that she mentioned? She mentions data from about five European countries, including but not limited to the United Kingdom, France, and Sweden. Now, what she then s- states is that there's evidence for a causal relationship in page 33. What is this data missing? I mean, this data has everything going for it, in fact, except for the evidence. Because this data does not even have that these men are Muslim men. And that might be a surprise and a shock to you. But this data is about where these men come from. So, for instance, she cites that these men come from Africa, from uh, subcontinental Asia. But you will know, and I'm sure your viewers who are clever people, who have been educated at a minor level, will know that Africa is not a, is not a Muslim continent. The entire continent of Africa, there are many Muslims in it, and there are many Christians in it. So the data is not conclusive. In fact, it doesn't even show anything. It just shows that people coming from Africa, there's an increase of people coming from Africa, and then there's an, uh, an increase also in rape. Okay, well, we tried the same methodology, Michaela. I actually tried the same methodology with Latin America and America, the United States of America. So people coming from Latin America, which are not Muslims, as you know, and when they go into America, the United States, there is also a correlative increase in rape. Now, we can't say just because there's a correlative increase in rape, and this is a fallacy, by the way, that therefore the causation is those people. But even if we did say that, well, Latin Americans are not Muslim. Latin Americans are Christians. And therefore, the most part, very small Muslim minority, very, very small and negligible Muslim minority. And therefore, the whole thesis collapses. She even mentions, and she lies through omission by mentioning data from the World Health Organization. And she is a liar, by the way. She's a liar. She lied to the Dutch parliament. She lies by, by omission by mentioning the WHO, the only I know, the only data that has uh, that the WHO has done on rape. And she, she mentioned certain things about Africa, once again, it's not even a Muslim continent in its entirety, and subcontinental Asia. But what she doesn't mention is that according to the WHO, that same report that she mentions, but she omits this part, according to the WHO, that stranger rape is highest in what they call the high-income areas, which is the West. So in other words, stranger rape is highest in Europe, or if you want to generalize, Europe and America and Canada, where you're from. In and Canada, where you're from. All right, all right, all right. On home, man. Why don't you come in and dissect this geopolitical and academic disintegrity? Come on, bro. I think Rami is a, a better candidate for this. No, bro. His vocabulary cracks me up, mashallah. That's the thing, man. Like, I feel like I got to have a dictionary on hand. Like, anytime I'm watching anything from Hamid Ajab. May Allah bless him, bro. I mean, yeah, bro. I mean, it's good, alhamdulillah. 
we, we also learn the words, we learn the vocabulary. Uh, Muslims should expand their vocabulary, you know, to be more communicative, inshallah. But um, <laughs> you find this a lot with non-Muslims, with the arguments against Islam. You find this all the time. They'll make, they'll be like, A, do you have A, right? And then they'll take some unrelated point and be like, you have B, therefore Islam is horrible. Or they'll find some kind of, it's a correlation causation fallacy. And that's basically what he was saying. The fallacy is a correlation causation fallacy. That just because two things are correlated doesn't mean that one causes the other. Uh, for example, uh, we know that when it rains, the ground gets wet. That doesn't mean every time the ground is wet, it is rained, right? So uh, that's one example, one version of it. Uh, it doesn't exactly apply to that case. And that's its own thing. But very clearly you see that just because you have an increase of immigrants, uh, not even Muslim immigrants, African immigrants and some other from other places, uh, in a place, and then at the same time, you have an increase in assault and, and rape and all that stuff. It doesn't mean that it's coming from these people or by Muslims or from Islam. The jump, the leap is so great. I'm surprised she didn't hurt her knees doing that kind of thing. Hmm. <laughs> SubhanAllah. Oh no, bro. You remember when you first figured out that correlation doesn't always mean causation? And you just look around you and you just see the bunch, the, the amount of people, bro, the huge population of people that use correlation as causation. They make X equal Y when merely there's just two correlations, right? And it just goes to show how you watch some videos like, you know, David Wood and Apus and all these people. And a lot of the things they say, strictly from a scientific point of view, are not really scientific. They're correlative, not causative. And I feel like the more you go into correlation, the weaker your argument gets. Because I can make five examples right now, which I'm not, of correlation and just say, okay, because of that, X equals Y. But we wouldn't really get anywhere, bro. So the fact that someone like Ayan Hirsi, who supposedly, right, is on a big platform, Michaela Peterson podcast, you know, daughter of Jordan Peterson, for any of you that don't know who she is. And the fact that if she really had a goal to refute hijab or Islam, you know, quote unquote, she failed miserably, bro. But I'm not surprised because when you look at David Wood and, you know, Muhammad Hijab, the debate they had, Muhammad Hijab told him something. Rami, I don't know how, you know, how, how long he said, but I think he was like 10 years or 15 years you had to, to research Islam and this is the best you could do. Exactly, exactly. And you know what, subhanAllah, it's, imagine trying to argue against the truth. Right. That's basically what they're trying to do. They're trying to argue against the truth. Of course, you could take you could take 10 lifetimes to try and argue against the truth and have nothing at the end. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, he said he revealed 1400 years ago in the Quran that the truth has come and the falsehood has vanished. 1400 years ago. You think someone's going to come now like Isaac or David Wood or uh, Ridvan or like anyone's going to come and, and make some amazing argument against Islam? No, they can't. Of course they can. Mm. They're always going to appeal to some kind of fallacy, some kind of illogic way of thinking, logical way of thinking, some kind of irrational uh, proposition, or some kind of moral argument. It has nothing to do with Islam, and they can't even prove what they believe to begin with. And that's another thing. Uh, this ent her entire argument is presupposing what the West believes, as you guys will see. It presupposes things like feminism, whether you're talking mm -hmm. first wave, uh, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, whatever, how many <laughs> waves are on turning to a damn ocean here. No, whatever ways they're on, man. Uh, they're they're assuming it's true to begin with, but why would they use such an assumption? That mm -hmm. is a fallacy. Quick comment from Sister Sam writes: Anhel only owns that one hoodie. Confirmed. 
that's the thing, man. I'd rather have someone that's loyal to one thing than someone that's, you know, flippity floppity with a lot of different things, bro. If you really think about it, because what this shows me is when we launch T3M merch, inshallah, in the next few weeks, that he's going to be wrapping those hoodies, bro. And he's only going to be wrapping those hoodies, nothing else. So it's good to see that. SubhanAllah. Anil, do you have any input before we go to clip number two? I have more than one hoodie. I just can't be bothered. You just can't be bothered. Yeah. In three months, guys. You like that color? Like, what what colors do you like, bro? And like things you wear? I know you like black. My my favorite color is black and red, mm-hmm. but this is a very comfortable hoodie, and it's what it is. Subhanallah. All right, guys, let's go into clip number two, inshallah. In, in your experience, is Islam innately misogynistic? The answer to that, unfortunately, is a clear-cut yes. Islam is misogynistic in its approach to women, but setting <laughs> feelings aside and just looking objectively at what it is that Islam says about women, the answer is yes, it is misogynistic. And I'll give you a few examples. That would be good, yeah. And I think the best example, because it's so factual, is the law, Sharia law, Islamic law. Islamic law declares that a woman has to have a male guardian at all times. That's not required of males. In Sharia law, a man is permitted to have four wives. She's not permitted to have four husbands. In Islamic law, in Sharia law, a woman's testimony in court is worth half of that of a man. It's not the other way around. Um, a sister inherits half of what her brother inherits. Wow. And uh, this goes on (laughs) and on. And I think because (laughs) these basic tenets of law, Sharia law, when they're implemented and where they're implemented, you see a huge difference between the way men and women are treated, girls and boys are treated. And I would say that... Is misogyny. Misogyny needs to. I right, bro, listen, listen, listen. I don't want to interrupt Muhammad Hijab, the great Muhammad Hijab, the learned Muhammad Hijab. Way more degrees, way more credentials than me. I'm a layman, bro. I've been probably studying Islam for maybe one or two years. The argument she's making, bro, Rami, you can fact check me if I'm wrong, but forensic recall, if you really study psychology, you understand that the reason a woman's testimony must, you know, this, this is something I'm hypothesizing, obviously, is half as worthy of a man's testimony, is if you study forensic psychology and event recall and crime recall, right, behavioral, men recall more accurately in what actually took place. And this is proven in studies, right, scientifically proven. They recall what actually happened, who was there, how many people were there, the actual things that went down. Women more accurately recall what could have happened, the emotions that could have been happening, what the man could have been up to, what the woman could have been up to, what type of situation could have been. They're better than that, right? But unfortunately, forensic recall and Sharia law, we only care about what actually happened, what witnesses saw and stuff like that, predominantly for the most part. Um, When she talks about a woman's inheritance being half, bro, at that time, majority of women were under the provisioning and guardianship of a man. This was before the whole strong and independent era. So the fact that a woman would get half makes sense because she already has a man taking care of her. So if anything, she's getting more than a man because a man's only getting half. A woman's getting a quarter, but she also has a man providing for her. But Yeah, 100%. 100%. 
And uh, one thing I want to add, I apologize if you said this and I missed it, but um, women tend to remember more of how something made them feel. They don't remember, they, not that they don't remember anything, but they remember less of what actually happened and more of how it made them feel, mm -hmm. right? But, but, and all that was facts, but mashallah, it's facts, absolute facts. And I want to go <clears throat> in on the other things now, because you basically, uh, you know, intellectually smacked you in the head with that one. Uh, and, and the second one, I want to double down on that. A woman's money is her money. She has no obligation to spend it on anyone. If she spends it on herself, it is halal, it is, it's, it's okay. So if you, let's say you have a father who dies, or okay, for you, feminists out there, you have a mother who dies, and she has a million dollars, right? Rich mother, rich mother mashallah, a million dollars. <laughs> she has no other relatives. She only has the two kids. One son, one daughter. Let's say you split it, 500,000 to the son, 500,000 to the daughter. The man is obligated to spend the 500,000 on his children, on his family, on his wife. The daughter has no obligation to spend it on anyone. She can spend it on her. She can spend $500,000 on herself and there's no blame on her. So it doesn't make sense to take care of maybe four, five, six people with $500,000 and then give the other $500,000 to just one person. No, that doesn't make sense. Because when you give it to the man, you give it to four, five, six family members, right? Let's say lightest case scenario, one child and a wife. Let's say worst case scenario, just the wife, no children. Right, man and woman, that's still you know five hundred thousand dollars for two people versus one. So in that case, it would be completely unfair. Next, we talked about this a lot, polygyny, men having multiple wives, women not allowed to have multiple husbands. From from psychology to biology to whatever you want to look at, it doesn't make sense. It does not make sense. Let's say let's say you had four husbands and uh, one got you pregnant. The other four won't see a child, or the other three won't see their child, uh, potentially for uh, or even have a chance for nine months and let's say you want to have only two kids you don't want to have more if one guy's really lucky he'll have two kids and if two guys are relatively lucky then they'll have a kid each and then the other two will not have and you have things like sperm competition and even men like there have been cases of men like killing the baby of their partner's other husband or other boyfriend like it's like that's not obviously messed up and it's not justifiable in any way but no matter how you look at it, the biology, psychology of a man, biology, psychology of a woman necessitates that a woman cannot have multiple husbands and that it's okay for a man to have multiple wives. And lastly, there's one, one more thing. Did she mention like covering up, like women have to cover up and men? No. no. Okay. Glad she didn't. That, that would have been even dumber of a point. Hmm. Like, I, think that, I, think that, I always, I always say this to women and, He's the thing, bro. When women say, oh, we're oppressed, you know, why, do, why is that aura bigger than a man's aura, you know, like more surface area and all this. Women don't know how men feel and operate, bro. They don't know how we think. We have Lira because we know how men think, bro. TLDR. Yeah. In a nutshell. Yeah. yeah, and 100%. And one more, one more thing I wanted to mention that she actually talked about was a woman needs a guardian at all times. A man doesn't. Why is that a bad thing? Why is that a bad thing? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Why is it a bad thing to be, you know, protected physically at all times? Mm -hmm. we're, not, we're not saying it's it's it shouldn't be the case that, yeah, you know, stay home so I don't have to go out and protect you. It should be you want to go out, I need to go out and protect you. It's it's not against the woman. It's in the hands of the man. The man has to take the mantle to be with his uh, sister, mother, daughter, wife, mm -hmm. whatever. It's a responsibility for a man, not something taking away from a woman. It's for the woman. It's protecting her. Like, Flex. how many, how many, how many men uh, on the street, 
you know, get sexually assaulted and raped and that stuff. Obviously, it's gone up in recent years, unfortunately. But how many, like, how many men walk down the street worried that another man's gonna come and do some nasty things to them? Like, come on, mm. this is a fear for women, and this is a justified fear. Fear, and it's, 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 it's unfortunately, it's natural and normal, especially in this day and age. Uh, the Prophet seven said there will come a time where the female sheep herder doesn't have to worry about anything except Allah and a wolf eating her sheep. Mm. Meaning there will come a time when Islam comes back, the Sharia comes back, Islamic State comes back, where there's full justice, everyone will be sc too scared to even do something like that. But in this day and age, you need that. So Islam provides it. Yeah, Habibi, Sheikh Uthman ibn Farooq on our, on our live stream, he was mentioning a study, right? It was a peer-reviewed journal article saying that a woman walking out, even with a little boy, like a five-year-old child, like a tiny little toddler, was incrementally, exponentially, unfortunately, stuck for a lot. This, this is a reality, but much less likely to be, let's just say, predated upon, preyed upon by men. Because men are, here's the thing. This also goes for the, the people that are saying, oh, why in Islam, why do you have to defend yourself? Why do you have to fight the enemy? Why do you, listen, why can't people just not fight? They always say this, right? Allah doesn't talk about hypotheticals. Allah talks about reality, right? Sharia law is here for reality. It's not here for fantasy. If you have this pacifistic, all-loving mindset that, oh, everyone's good, love is the answer, no one's going to fight anyone, and then your enemy country, let's say, invades you, right? Because rightfully so, they can do whatever they want to do. This is reality. Right. You can't be like, oh, hey, I didn't want to fight you. Why are you guys out here throwing hands, trying to scrap? It's not going to matter. Did you prepare for it? Are you prepare prepared for it or are you not? That's all that's going to matter. You, you can't live in this idealistic fairy tale, bro. So in Islam, we don't deal with ideal. We deal with real. We deal with, OK, this is what could happen. This is what might happen. Right. It's not, oh, if a, can a woman go out? Um, and this is not a photo, by the way. Can a woman go out uh, without her hijab if no one else is there? Right. Because I'm not going to give any photo. But it's like. Look at realistically, isn't aren't there going to be people there? Statistically, probably, right? Shouldn't she cover up for a man? You know, does he have to do this if no one's? It's like, bro, we should always realistically just submit to Allah because we understand the value and the wisdom behind the prohibitions and the restrictions. It's not here to control us, but Allah, the Creator, knows His creation better than we, as a creation, know each other. Exactly. Exactly. And even, even even if you want to say that it's controlling and everything, why is control bad? Isn't control a good thing? Isn't that what people strive for, to have some kind of control in their life and everything? Why not control your desires, you know, uh, limit the, the harm and danger that could come to you? That's what Islam does. It limits the, the harm and the danger and the negative and the bad that could come to you if you follow it. What are the chances, of a, as Brother Fried mentioned, what are the chances of a woman getting attacked if there's a male guardian with her? The whole point is to protect her. And you're calling that misogynistic? Okay, let's mm. let her fight for herself. Okay, you want equal rights, equal fights. Let's let them go out by themselves. Whatever happens, happens. And they have to defend themselves. And if that's not misogynistic and, and disgraceful to you, then honestly, you're just a hypocrite at this point. Last thing I want to mention is you're a hypocrite in another way. Because if you look at Islam, the women don't have to fight wars. But men have to fight wars. If they're physically able to, mentally able to, they have to. Why are you not saying that this is sexist against men? Because reverse right. sexism is not true, clearly, bro. Yeah. Haven't you seen the, the heaps and the piles, bro, of the memes? Like, feminism's on pause after, you know, Ukraine got invaded. 
you know they're just like oh i'm gladly gonna go to the kitchen now it's like that's the thing bro like there's double standards there's hypocrisy and this is the, this is the mainstream media this is liberal secularism just like you're talking about they're co- constantly changing the goalposts bro they don't know what is what they don't have one objective truth they don't have one moral compass that that stands no matter what they don't have integrity they're always going to constantly change these things bro and that's why in the uk someone correct me if i'm wrong but a few months ago they were literally going to place a curfew on men they were literally going to place a time this is this is proven bro this is in the news they were literally going to place a curfew that men cannot go out after this time because apparently there was a missing girl you know may allah punish if you know whoever had anything to do with it if there was someone um but apparently a girl went missing and there was like this one street where some women anecdotally claim to like oh men look at us weird and it's like it's like it's like a club area or something like that and like there's always women late night walking and I don't want to talk about the outfits because you know, I'm going to get so much hate for that. But apparently they get, you know, looks and they get eyes and they get creeps following them. So the solution that the, the, the UK came up with was let's put a curfew on men so no man can leave the, the house after this time. And this blew up on TikTok, bro. <laughs> Why didn't they just put more police in the street or something? <laughs> Subhanallah. Where would the police go? Because the police are men. They got to be home. but let's go back to the reaction inshallah be defined because if it's defined definitionally as it is in the kind of dictionary the hatred of women then the answer is very clearly no because the quran very clearly states in more than one verse you know in chapter 3 verse 195 that god does not let to waste any action of any doer among you men or women and that both of you are from one another that uh, in chapter 33, verse 35, uh, the, the believing men and the believing women and the, you know, and so on. And it mentions a, a list of attributes mentioning men and women specifically, and then says that God has prepared for them a reward. And in fact, the Quran explicitly mentions that we cannot have hatred towards any believer because it's mentioned in chapter 59 of the Quran, God do not put any hatred to the believers in our hearts. And that, of course, includes women as well. So from that perspective, it's impossible to postulate. It is impossible to postulate that Islam is misogynistic from that definitional perspective. But what we will say is, of course, misogyny is a label that is used haphazardly and arbitrarily between people in the West, in discourses, to mean different things. So, of course, neoconservatives or people that are more right-wing or alt-right are excuse, accuse themselves of being misogynistic to, uh, uh, by um, third-wave feminists and so on. And so it really depends on who is the one making the claim and what the robust definition that they have of misogyny is. And sometimes that can be ideologically um, uh, kind of inspired in the case of third-wave feminists. I would say it certainly is. That's why, unfortunately, uh, even your father has been uh, accused of misogyny. I mean, people in, in, in the West... Uh, credible intellectuals and academics have been accused of misogyny just because they believe in a traditional uh, a value, uh, a traditional values of a family system, a complementarian family system. And uh, for this reason, they're accused of misogyny. So, but one has to say this, and I think this is very important, Michaela, that we believe that there is an equality of value between men and women. We do believe that there is an equality of value between men and women. The Prophet himself, Muhammad, he said, that certainly men are equal to women in front of the law. That is the general rule. That is a statement of the Prophet Muhammad. However, we do believe in exceptions and we don't believe that equality of value means identicality in roles. 
that's the thing. A lot of hate, you know, when we talked about high-value men, high-value women, and all of this. I'm going to say exactly what Muhammad Hijab said to reiterate. When we talk about gender roles and value in the marriage market and all of this, we're not talking about value in the eyes of Allah. Allah has given equal value in men and women, right? And this is proven in the, in the Quran and Hadith. There's no denying that. But this whole equality in measure, equality in opportunity, equality in outcome, all of this that, that feminism wants to propagate, it makes no sense, bro. Because they use this equality thing when it's time, and then when they don't want to use it, they don't use it, right? So at least be consistent, as Brother Dili Hussein was saying in yesterday's podcast. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Even, um, I mean, subhanAllah, bro, honestly, like it, it, it literally makes no sense. It, either you believe men and women are exactly the same. And I mean, like, let's say biologically, physically, psychologically, either you believe they're exactly the same and you, you live in a fantasy. You don't live in reality. You've never read any kind of scientific uh, literature in your life. You've never even seen a diagram of human anatomy. You've never read any uh, psychological or anything, any works on psychology, human mm. psychology, male, uh, male and female psychology. Or you believe that they are different. And by believing that they're different, you have to concede that uh, those differences must be accounted for in what they do, what they don't do. Uh, Another argument Muhammad Ajab made, not on the podcast, but a while ago, was that male firemen, right, male firefighters, respond faster. They respond about 30 seconds faster. So if you have a bunch of feminists in a building, and the building's on fire, they themselves will most likely want a man to come rescue them over a woman, because the man responds 30 seconds faster, on average, than the, the female firefighters. Is that misogynistic? No, it's a fact. Mm. You want me to? Do you want me to break that down a bit, bro? Yeah, because a lot of people are are not familiar with uh, Muhammad Hijab, so they might not understand where you're getting. But Rami is is speaking about this this study that Muhammad Hijab quoted in a in a street debate, and it was about firefighters. So basically, a firefighter, the average time that it takes a firefighter to get to you know from the ambulance to the house and to you know to basically get to saving lives, doing what they do, is something like nine point one seconds if I remember. And the average time for a woman was, I think, 11 or 12, something like that. It's just a little longer. So, you know, people were, were asking, people were taking this into street debates around me. I don't know if you know this. And they were asking random people, right? It was like public interviews or something. Who would you want to save you? Uh, a male uh, firefighter or a female? All the feminists were like, hey, it doesn't matter. You know, anyone, anyone that's qualified. And they're like, who do you want to protect you? A male bodyguard or a woman? Anyone. And they're like, well, what are you talking about? Like, men are physically stronger. They're like, yeah, but like a woman could be stronger too. But anyway, they were saying that I want a female firefighter. And once they got the, the facts that females statistically take longer, where this got this, this whole, you know, BS in society where, where it led to was them changing the firemen course for firefighters. And they added, I believe, one or two extra seconds in that course. They also did this in the U.S. Army, by the way, for recruitment. And they literally did this to slow people down just so women would, by definition, precede the curve of like the standard distribution of how much time it takes. Tell me how that literally makes no sense. They're basically making inferior people that are responsible for saving lives just to cater to the pandering equality of these children, bro, to be honest. It sounds even worse when you say it, man. That's so messed up, bro. Honestly, but that's that's just the West. That is the West. They don't go based on what is best. They go based on what people want. Literally, that's what liberalism is. 
go for what brings you physical pleasure, democracy, majority rules. Majority of people want this. We're kind of, you know, we're living in 2022 now. This is where society is going. This is where people are is causing, you know, people are causing society to go down this route. It's based on what people want, what they desire, and it has no place in actual reality. Very sad. 100%. Oh, no, bro. Do you want to go in? Uh, not really, man. I'm just moderating, y'all. <laughs> All right, Making sure okay. y'all are kept in check. Jazakallah. Bro, this, uh... Are you the are you the mahram? Are you the wali? No, we don't need that. We don't need that. There we go. All right. Anything else that y'all want to say before we go on to the final clip for tonight? I think there's two more clips actually. One is really short. Sorry, say that one more time. I think there's two more clips left. But oh, two more clips, bro. Ram, you know bro I'll, I'll, I'll say something. I'll say something because I haven't said anything the entire stream. Uh, in regards to the other part that you know she was saying about the misogyny, and we were talking about how, like women can't go out because they need a protector. It's like I wanted to make the point that the uh, sheikh made. Um, I forgot the sheikh's name, but he was asked by this woman, and she was saying that like she felt oppressed whenever she heard about Islam and saying. Uh, the whole the same thing that she mm-hmm. needs to be protected at all times and that she needs to cover up and she needs to do all this stuff and then he was like okay if you go from like New York City from one side of New York City to I don't know let's say like 10 10 to 15 blocks and you just walk all that uncovered what are the chances that something's gonna happen it's like okay if it's daytime Probably not that much. Now let's say nighttime. Let's say it's like ten o'clock at night, eleven o'clock at night. Go go out and, and walk from like one side, like just several blocks. Go go for an hour and just walk by yourself as a woman uncovered. Like see what that's gonna get you. Like you're probably gonna get snatched up and you already know what's gonna happen. So when he said it like that, it just it clarified everything for her. Because he's like, okay, would you be, would you feel safe? Would you feel safe being uncovered by yourself at nighttime, walking through New York City or walking through California, San Diego, or something like that? You know, it's like, well, the the clear answer is no. So it's like, okay, well, if the clear answer is no, why are you so against covering up now? Why are you so against having someone there to protect you that you know, okay, um, I'm safe. You know what I'm saying? So it's like it shows these um these arguments, or not even arguments. It's not an argument, but these um emotional outbursts. It's just it's infallible. It's just mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. not real. It's not legit. I think number one, you're talking about Sheikh Ahmed Didal, but I might be wrong on this. But I remember him saying something know. similar. Number two, Sister Sam writes, "Yeah, never mind. It's better if Anho just moderates." I'm gonna keep talking. I'm gonna do my thing. Yeah, just just because Sister Sam said that, one, I was gonna keep talking now. So good job. Look what you've done, bro. Now me and Rami are never gonna get to speak our mind, bro. Yeah, the left. Up. Sister Nyama writes here in NYC, crime against women ha- has increased every single day. A woman is stabbed or killed. Just a few hours ago, a torso of a female was found inside of Hasi Shop. Subhanallah. Sister Sam writes, I'm kidding. I know, bro. I know, I know, sis. I know you're kidding. I'm calling you sis too. You know, I'm calling you. Sis. You know, that's a guy, right? 
I'm calling this guy. Because in the beginning, white. Hmm. Trying to find this, bro. I mean, let me try to find this right there. That's what I'm calling a sis. It is. Oh. You're going to make jokes with me. You're going to expect me to, you know, amplify that and take it all the way. So don't make jokes if you can't handle it. Crime against women has increased here in NYC. Yes. Um, I, I, I'm a girl. Oh, you're actually a girl. Yeah. Yo, she's a girl. Yeah, she oh, damn. You know what's weird? I've been calling Sam bro for like the last few weeks on the streams. <laughs> and no way did she correct me. So, subhanAllah, if, you, if you're actually a girl, then it is what it is. Uh, it is a girl, Rami. Fight me. All right. This one. Anyway, we're gonna go back to it now. We believe our system is superior. We believe that the system is failing. We believe that uh, nuclear households are d- being destroyed in the West. We believe that you've got it wrong. We believe that we've got it right. And so, in order to defeat us in argument, you must first argue from first principles. And so, yes. We do have differences with Western, especially second wave or third wave feministic discourses, but that does not, that does in no way sh- uh, show or indicate that Islam is misogynistic. To the contrary, and one last thing I will say is McGann herself is blissfully ignorant. Ian McGann, Ian Hersey McGann, blissfully ignorant of the Islamic tradition, the underqualified, overconfident, ultra-crepidarian, academic charlatan, right-wing, apple-polisher, obsequious woman that she is, doesn't even know that, in, in, it doesn't even know the basics of the Islamic tradition, mentions in her book, Heretic, in page 77, that we worship Muhammad. She doesn't even know the basics of the religion. She makes squandering mistakes one after the other, about gender in jurisprudence in Islam in her latest book, uh, Pray, you can see it in uh, page 151, where she makes a series of uh, unsubstantiated claims about Muslim women uh, and their rights in Islam, saying that their rights can be sold to strangers and all kinds of nonsense propositions which have no basis in the religion of Islam. And subhanAllah, that ends all of the clips. Inshallah, we'll do a little bit of a breakdown right now. If you guys want more of this and you enjoyed this one, please smash the like button, subscribe, consider becoming a patron. It really does help the channel, inshallah. Inshallah, inshallah. I think in the last two clips, the main point, one of the main points is one, she has no idea what she's talking about. First, the fallacy of um, correlation causation fallacy. Just because something is correlated doesn't mean it's caused by something or it causes something. Uh, secondly, she has no idea what she's talking about. She's not educated in Islam clearly. And she makes a lot of assertions about Islam that don't come from Islam, that might come from perhaps the culture of the area that she is examining or talking about, but does not come from Islam itself. Um, if she really wrote that we worship Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, then the level of, of nonsense that she's on is a lot worse than I thought initially. Um, and lastly, I think the main, main, main point that I want to re- uh, reiterate and emphasize now is if they want to refute Islam, they have to do it from first principles. They can't assert something to be true and then use that to, to dismiss Islam and disprove Islam. You can't say Islam is wrong because they have capital punishment. You have to assume that capital punishment is, is incorrect. And that assumption is you know, what you believe in already. But that's a belief. It's not a fact. So why are you assuming that? so on and so forth mm-hmm. 
feminists, modernists, liberals, they're, they're all following this type of, I guess, fallacy where the follower follows another follower. And there are no leaders and no one's following a leader. Everyone's just following the nuffs. And what type of society does this produce, man? Sometimes I have these thoughts, but I have these fleeting thoughts that when I went to Umrah about two, three, four months ago, like I saw the type of life that they live, bro. And th- this is this is how I'm going to tie to your point that you were saying about, you know, today's society that when it was time for Salah, right, all the shop owners were, would literally close their, their gates. Business... Uh, trade commerce would not conduct it would be on hold right the restaurants were i think closed right and it's like everything revolved around islam this one way of life that and everyone was unified bro didn't matter what skin color you know you what, what color your skin is it doesn't matter how much you make it doesn't matter where you're from it was a proper way of life and i'm not sound biased because you know i like i like the islamic tradition but it is what it is but over here it's like we're so divided bro and this is one thing that i wanted to address on your point that we live in a society today that claims like they know what's right and what's left, but they don't know. Their biggest strength, which Shaitan loves, by the way, is dividing and conquering us. Even look at the alphabet gang, bro. Even look at the alphabet gang. There's so many alphabets and abbreviations within that. Why? Well, human beings, well, male or female, but it's like you want everyone to be a special snowflake. You want everyone to belong to one group thereby creating by default many groups and more segregation. What is the point of this? Yeah. It puts the focus of people on people. And this is what Muhammad Hijab was saying, that we believe our way of life is superior because we don't have the focus on us. The focus was never supposed to be on us to begin with. It was supposed to be on worshipping Allah, on the Creator, on one important thing. Not, you know, what you are, or what I am, or what I believe, or what you believe, or what we feel. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's the main point, that everything that they, they believe in, everything that they practice is based on what they feel. It's only based on what they feel and what they think and what they desire. Islam is based on its aqidah. Our, our sharia is based on the aqidah of Islam, the belief of Islam. And the belief of Islam, Islam as a whole, is proven through the Quran, through the sunnah. We've talked about it. Go to episode, what is it, two, proving Islam, something like that. And all throughout our channel, we, we talk about it. Islam is proven through its evidences. Once you prove Islam that Islam is true and it should be followed, you base your life off the Aqidah. And the, from the Aqidah comes the Sharia. And by the way, Sharia law is not some backwards, crazy, insane, tribalistic uh, way of life. It's, Sharia law encompasses everything, like washing your private parts after you use the bathroom, sleeping. Hold on up, hold up, relax, Rami. You're offending the viewers. Tone down the the way that you're saying things. My bad, my bad. I won't mention anything to hurt their little. Their little feelings. Jazakallah khair for moderating. MashaAllah. I changed my background just for you, man. Because you said your favorite color is red, by the way. So I hope you mm-hmm. appreciate it. Bro, if Anho's moderating you, who's moderating Anho? Allah subhanahu no. wa ta'ala. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. SubhanAllah. May but, we be cognizant of Allah's moderation in our lives and submit to it. I mean, but Anho, go on. I mean, I'll be going, bro. I mean, actually, that's the point. Now, people need to be cognizant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says. Uh, basically, have taqwa of Allah. Have consciousness of Allah. Remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Know that He is watching you. And the highest level of taqwa is to worship Allah as if you can see Him and know that He can see you. It's like, 
So this podcast that went on, this debate with the three of them, um, I was I was Michaela Peterson throughout this entire thing. I think a lot of people were saying she was objective. I didn't see the whole thing. There was one person that put a certain timestamp and they were like, for everyone who's saying she's objective, look at this. I didn't watch it. I didn't have time to. But I think she was pretty fair throughout the whole thing. Uh, I saw a bit of it mm-hmm. from what I saw. I can say she, she seemed pretty in the middle. Well, I mean, from what you showed, she seemed like she was being swayed by what um, Megan was saying. Um, maybe, maybe from yeah, I, I can see where you'd get that from because she would say something like, um, "A woman gets half of what a man gets," and then she would like kind of laugh, like, oh, "Really?" Like, but mm-hmm. I, no, no, like, I think I think she was getting swayed by it. But then anytime uh, Daddy Job came on, it, she was just like, oh, uh, she would just get like right on, well, not right on track, but like, I don't know, like the sway would just leave and she would get back to, I guess, a normal, I don't even know the word for it. Neutral. I don't even know the word for it. Yeah, neutral. Neutral. There you go. Jazakallah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wayakum, bro. Wayakum. The, the moderator gets moderated, mashallah. Moderator. But, uh, someone's, gonna, someone's gonna take a screen recording of that segment where Anhel called Muhammad Hijab Daddy Hijab, and then he, he started choking on his words and, and, and lost his train of speech. So, just <laughs> okay. bro. Moving on, moving on swiftly, inshallah. <laughs> but that's that's the problem when you don't when you when you don't know. That's the problem when you're in the middle when you're confused. You hear one thing, you sway that way. You hear another thing, you sway back. You hear something again, you sway the opposite direction, then you sway back to the middle, back and forth. Until it becomes clear to you, until you it becomes clear, either someone's lying or someone's misleading, or uh, basically you find out she's uh, iron heresy, and then you, you run the other way, essentially. And guys, all jokes aside, I did put the disclaimer in the beginning. You know, I'm gonna put in the pinned comment too that for anyone rewatching this, I don't even know how they would you know get to this part, but Subhanallah, we did put a disclaimer. You know, if you are. Uh, you know, if you, they, they, we are going to, you know, display some women without hijab, you know, so we did make it clear. So I don't want anyone roasting us in the comments. I, I don't want also, I don't want anyone roasting Ayn Hirsi as well, saying that, you know, it's easy to low and, you know, lower your gaze from her. I don't want any of those comments too. This is a channel of love. We don't discriminate based on if it's easy or hard to lower your gaze from someone, right? Fact is fact. Lies are lies. So we did our part, inshallah. Inshallah, 100%. <laughs> I, I want to go through the list of words he used and define them for us in the views, inshallah. I, I want to share this one comment just because I mentioned something, so I'm going to put it up, inshallah. Um, all right, inshallah. I'm not going live for a week because of you. But moving on, uh, the level is actually it's not taqwa, it's ihsan. So jazakallah khair. When I mentioned that you worship Allah as if you, as if you can see him and know that he, can, that he sees you, it's ihsan. So forgive me for, for saying the wrong thing. It's a form of taqwa, but that's not what the Prophet said. He called it the highest level of ihsan. All right, now we kill him with quality, bro. We don't kill him with quantity, so less is sometimes more. I know we have some one-hour-long podcasts, 90 minutes, even two hours sometimes, but I think we got most of the points across for this one, inshallah. If you guys have nothing else to say, then we should wrap it up. I want to see what ultra-crepidarian means. Um, Go for it, bro. Live dictionary pulling up. Yeah, ultra crepidarian expressing opinions on matters outside the scope of one's knowledge or expertise. All right. All right. What about Apple Polisher? 
Come on, bro. Person who behaves uh, obsequious, obsequiously to someone important. Okay. Obsequious. What is obsequious? Yeah, obsequious. What does obsequious mean? Obsequious means obedient or attentive to an excessive, uh, to an excessive or servile degree. Servant, servant of the white man. Sister Sam, a paid T3M family member is requesting Rami to give a Quran recitation. Do you want to recite one surah even before we wrap it up? Man, this girl, bro. Every single time I'm live, she says the same thing. Five, I can't, yeah, I, I can't, I can't say no to that. Um, it's been a long day, but the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are beautiful regardless of how my voice sounds. So, <clears throat> Smash this like button, guys. Smash the like button. Share this video. Look what Rami's doing for us. Alhamdulillah. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين إندنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين آمين آمين رب الله Alright, so the UK peeps that requested that and he delivered, you guys can sleep well and sound now, alhamdulillah make some dua for Rami and make some dua for us inshallah if you guys made it this far Comment down below, hashtag Quran recitation. Rami, bro, Allahumma barik, bro. I got to ask you a personal question just for me, all right? No one else. Give me some pointers, bro. Give me some tips on getting it to that point that you're at, alhamdulillah, with the recitations. SubhanAllah, bro. Honestly, it takes a lot of practice. Like, if I don't want to equate reciting to singing because reciting is so much more beautiful and eloquent. It has such weed. But oh, when you look at both training your voice, it takes a long time. So if you want to sound like, you know, Nasr al-Qatami, Mansur al-Salimi, all these different beautiful reciters, mashallah. Um, and also look out for the re Quran recitation reaction we did with FTD, mashallah, for when it drops. Uh, and sound like the, the Qari that recited there. It takes a long time to train your voice. But the best tip I can give is stick to one style, get a Quran teacher, focus on the Tajweed. My Tajweed isn't the best, but focus on the Tajweed, pronounce everything properly the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed it to be pronounced and feel the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You're not just singing a random song about a girl or a boy. You're reciting the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. These are serious things. Recite it in a serious manner and uh, stick to one reciter inshallah and learn from them. Alhamdulillah. Bro, I actually took in everything you said. I'm going to start applying it as soon as yesterday. Inshallah. I how, really want to apply how it. How do you learn from them? You just listen to them? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's it. You just mimic them. Basically, basically. You can literally, like, if you want to learn, if you want to learn Surah Al-Fatiha, mm. pick a reciter, see how they recite Surah Al-Fatiha, and copy it. But what, the recitation I gave, uh, or, you know, uh, tried to recite, like, uh, a shi um a Qari, a reciter named Salman Salman Al-Yutaybi. Mm -hmm. Salman Al-Yutaybi. If you listen to his recitation, it is so like beautiful, mashallah. So I, I just tried to mimic that, alhamdulillah. I heard that you never actually 
have your own original form of reciting if you do it that way. Like, yeah, you can get it beautiful because, you know, you're copying people who have the, um, I think, the proper, is it Tashweed? Yeah, Tashweed. Tashweed. They have proper Tashweed, so you're copying that and you're getting it on point. Yeah. But I heard that the only way to get that, like, proper, proper, original form of recitation with your own vocal tone is through actually learning the Tajweed yourself and like really working with um yeah working with someone to learn how to pronunciate all the letters correctly and then form everything yourself instead of trying to mimic a, a certain pattern or a way of reciting that someone else has. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I would say the only issue with that is you might end up mimicking your Quran uh, teacher. Because they also recite in a certain way, and they're going to try and recite things in a certain way, so you might pick up on on what they do. But regardless, uh, once you get to a point where you have good tajweed and you understand Arabic, then you can introduce your and you sound good. Inshallah, you can introduce your own style and stuff and add your own, uh, you know, basically use your own voice, which should be everyone's goal because everyone's voice is, is beautiful. Mashallah. All right. With that being said, Rami, just like you mentioned, they should look forward to our friend our non-muslim friend who reacts to a quran recitation with us which is going to air sometime in the next few days inshallah ramadan is coming let us know what you guys want to see inshallah things that will benefit you we do this for you guys but definitely for allah first and foremost but definitely for you guys because we started this in the first place because we realized how much more people how many more brothers and sisters would benefit if we just hit record when we have conversations that we're having anyway so keep that in mind Alhamdulillah to everything the, the fact that we're literally just having a conversation among us three and we got 250 you know viewers live Alhamdulillah it is a blessing so all praises due to Allah first and foremost alone and thank you guys from the bottom of our hearts for always tuning in Jazakallah khair and for supporting us inshallah and with that being said Allahumma atina fil dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana wa kina adab nar assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi what it is, I feel like, especially in Western discourses, you have like the right wing uh, are very much anti-Muslim in sentiment. Many of them, not all of them, but many of them are anti-Muslim in sentiment. But the, the left wing can be very much anti-Islam. But the way in which they will try and influence Muslims is through micro-liberalism, micro-feminism, you know, um, uh, you know, this kind of an approach where it's, yeah, you, it's a so-called tolerant approach, which is actually a very subversive approach. But unfortunately, the naive amongst us and the weakest amongst us will fall prey to this kind of thing. Mm -hmm.